a little late night uh, recording here. It's 10.25 on August the 4th. Trying to keep it down, keep my let my pup sleep. But I uh, thought I'd do a quick podcast here while I got a chance because the Jonathan Huberto signing has happened. One thing you can't take away from Trey Living in the Flames, they've kept this summer pretty fucking interesting. But, Jays, you know, as you've heard, if you've listened to the show lately, I am really back and forth on this this trade, this Kachuk trade for Calgary in general. On one hand, it's they did better than I thought they would. On the other hand, it's it's the path that they were headed down, I guess. And I'm I'm this is coming to my mind as I'm trying I'm trying to think this out. What you're listening to is me trying to think this out. I always say, or I have tried to say for the last little while now, don't beat up teams who are just whose ownership is just worried about the gate. And the Flames, it is clear. That ownership, they are just worried about the gate. They don't care about like I'm sure they, they would like to win, but staying relevant is more important to them than winning. If you're a fan, maybe you like that. It would drive me insane. This is a bad contract. This is a very, very bad contract. Eight years, the guy's 30 when it kicks in. He's 30. So you get eight years of Huberto at ten and a half. Now, the cap's supposed to start going up again in two years. So there's that. Signing bonus money makes it pretty much bio-proof. And the full no-move is, it's a poison pill contract. And the big takeaway for me with this signing, once I've seen all the numbers, is this this entire move by the Flames, by Trey Living, you know, I think there's a motive here from ownership. Uh, This has all been about saving face. This is winning the press conference. This is doing things that don't translate into long-term success. And I look at what they're doing. I have a tough time believing that in about three to five years, they won't be exactly where the San Jose Sharks are. Where they have not much of a system. They're in cap hell. 
and like it's it's just a complete mess and i'm going to start tracking this cuz out of curiosity because if you look at what they should have done what the flames should have done is they should have blown this up this was the chance to blow this up you're losing two of your franchise pillars you can claim that they both screwed you over you would have had you would have had a fan base who would have said yeah Brad's doing the right thing here cuz they just they were in a no win situation from that point forward Trey Living should have chased the same type of deal that Matt Duchesne got the Avs the trade that got that the Avs got for Matt Duchesne that set them up and you might say, well, what did they get? Well, they got two-fourths of their top four on their blue line. Bowen Byram looks like he might be an emerging star. Sam Gerrard, probably a guy they're going to have to move to make room for Bo Byram in the top four. But Sam Gerrard, top four defenseman, puck mover, like fantastic player. Plus, 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 plus. I think it's a six-piece trade that they got. Like, this was their chance. And instead, they're chasing. And why do I say three to five years on the, that they'll be the Sharks? Well, the Huberto deal is not going to age well. And if you look, not next offseason, but the one after that, that's when a lot of their bigger names start coming due. So it's actually, I've got it pulled up right here. So in two years' time, Backland UFA, Lindholm UFA, Toffoli UFA, Dubay RFA, Jacob Pelche RFA, Noah Hannafin UFA. Chris Tanev, UFA. Nikita Zadorov, UFA. Like, what it looks like they're going to do is they're going to, like, you look at Lindholm. Lindholm, without a doubt, is getting at least $8 million a year. That is now the going rate for a second-line center is $8 million a year. That's what Hurdle got. That's the ballpark that people think Kadri's going to get, JT Miller's going to get, uh, probably a little bit more for both those guys, but the ballpark, $8 million. Robert Thomas got $8 million per. Like, it's just Nick Suzuki got $8 million per. Um, who am I forgetting about? Oh, no. That's Fiala's a winger, sorry. Um, but that's that's the going rate. It's eight. So you're looking at a minimum of $8 million a year for Lindholm. He will be, how old will Lindholm be right now? He's, yeah, 27, so he'll be 29 when he signs that deal. Hubert O will be uh, a year into his poison pill. Mangiapani will be a year away from unrestricted free agency. I doubt they would re-sign Backlund at that time. Now, Michael Backlund is one of the most underrated players in the league. 
but he'll be 35 when he comes due. Noah Hannafin, who I just said on the last podcast, I don't feel like Hannafin and Anderson is a legitimate top pairing. I think they're the Sutter system makes them look a lot better than what they are. And then you get into the playoffs and, you know, you face a top line like the Oilers put together and it's like, you know, it's just boys playing against men. Like, Hannafin's going to get paid like he's a top, like he's a number one defenseman. He's going to be one of these guys, at least he's on track to get, you know, maybe one of those $9 million deals. You think Trey Living's going to let him walk for nothing? Like, they're stuck, and people might say, well, no, you just flip these guys, and you just you just maneuver your way out of it. This organization doesn't operate like that. This organization is scared to do things like that. Like, it's... Whether it's... However you feel about Brad Trey Living, I, again... As I say every podcast, I am a massive Brad Trey Living fan. I would love nothing more than the others to steal Brad Trey Living from the Flames. The problem, because I think Brad Trey Living, if he gets good ownership, I think that guy is going to look like one of the best GMs in the league. But I don't think the Flames got good ownership. I really don't. I, I I don't know. What's your definition of good ownership? When I say good ownership, I mean ownership that actually wants to win. It's not to bash the people. It's not to bash their their mentality or anything like that. It's just, to me, a good owner is one who wants to win at all costs and is willing to accept some down years with your team in order to build the right team to build a legitimate elite contending team year in, year out. Flames aren't that. Like they're... You know, if you, you say to any other person in the league... Well, if you say to fans of any of the... 24 teams outside of the Pacific Division this year. If you say to them, yeah, my team lost in five in the in the second round of the Pacific, you'd be, nobody would be saying, well, that's a contender. If you said my team won the Pacific Division this year, nobody would say, well, that's a contender. Like, I'm an Oilers fan sitting here and, like, you know, I could I could be like loving life because yeah, they made the final four this year. And someone chirped me on Twitter a couple of weeks ago about like, yeah, you know, the Oilers are basically down there with my team, and I'm not going to say who the team was or anything like that. And I'm like, you know, I could bring up how the Oilers finished in the you know in the final four this year, but the fact of the matter is, they came out of the Pacific. So, like, that's the other thing we have to... And I don't understand why with the Flames, <laughs> probably being an Oilers homer here, but I don't understand with the Oilers, it's, well, yeah, well, they're playing in the Pacific. Whereas with the Flames, it's, oh, my God, they won the Pacific. What a team. What an organization. What a time to be alive. Shut up. <laughs> it's 
It's a total double standard. And I get it. The narrative is the Oilers won McDavid and the Flames have had to work for everything they've got. Yep, totally. Like, just 100%, guys. Such a ridiculous narrative. As I've made the point before, do you honestly think that the Flames didn't get insanely lucky with the Johnny Goudreau pick? There's good drafting, yes, but that's not good drafting. That's winning the lottery just as much as the Oilers won the lottery on McDavid. And you might hate hearing this, but there's a lot more strategy that went into the Oilers winning McDavid than there was the Flames winning Goudreau. Oh, the Oilers, they locked into McDavid. Yeah, yeah. And the Flames didn't lock into Makachuk with the whole Columbus passing on Pulley for Dubois type deal that shook down. And then Vancouver not picking Kachuk at five. With that, there was no luck there. Really? Like, come on. There's every team, every organization gets bounces. The Detroit Red Wings, yes, they drafted well, but do you actually think that Datsuk and Zetterberg was just because they developed well? No, it was lightning in a bottle. It was lightning in a bottle. So this narrative that, wow, the Flames organization, they work for every... Shut up. Shut up. They just gave a bad contract to a guy who had a career season and won't duplicate it. Or if he does duplicate it, it'll be for one year and then they're paying for his decline. Like, I like Jonathan Huberto. The analytics don't back up his point totals. It's... It's buyout proof. He's got a full no move. This is this is a this is totally desperate of the Calgary Flames. They just gave him whatever he wanted to save face. And what's worse for Flames fans is this is the tip of the iceberg. I truly believe this. They are going to be chasing from here on. They are going to be chasing. And I hope that I'm wrong because we just got a taste of the Battle of Alberta and it's awesome. The reason I bitch, I've said this the last few days, the reason I bitched about Mark Bergevin was because I wanted the Habs to do right by their fan base, to become the elite team once again that, Montreal is known for having. I want the Flames to be elite. I don't want them to be better than my team, but it drives me more nuts seeing teams run poorly than cheering for one team and hating another. And this, oh, this deal is, 
the the best thing that could happen for the Flames moving forward now would be for it to go south and force a rebuild, but I don't even know if they'd do it then. You look back, 2010, missed the playoffs, similar type of team where they were locked into everybody but couldn't win, uh, didn't rebuild. 2011, they had a late run in the year, made this great playoff push. Everybody got so high on them, missed the playoffs, ended up picking 14th. All they did was fuck themselves out of a decent pick. Oh, but they got Sven Barchi. What a pick, Sven Barchi. Scored three goals in his first three games. Bust. 2012, same thing. You know, fool's gold. Trade back in the draft. Take Mark Jankowski. Jay Feaster sitting up on the sitting up with TSN after the pick. Our scouts think this guy in 10 years is going to be the best player in the league. He's going to be the best player to come out of this draft. Whatever the fuck he said. Yeah, we're 10 years later, Jay. Mark Jankowski is not in the league. Next pick, Oli Mata. Not a great pick. Not He's not a star, but at least he's in the league. Had some pretty good years. Would have been a lot more value than Mark Jankowski was. And you picked a fucking guy who was never going to give you anything on his ELC. Like, ugh. 2013, they're still hanging on. They finally... They're so far out of the playoffs by the 2013 deadline that they have to rebuild because Aginla's a UFA and Bo Meester's a UFA. I think Kippersoff had another year left on his deal, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe he was a UFA as well. And it just... It was... Like, they got couple of late first bad trade for Ginla that netted them a late first that they took Morgan Klimchuk. The Bullmeister trade was better, but they still made a terrible draft pick with Emile Poirier. Ugh. This organization. <laughs> I get just... And then they get lucky. 2015 is one of the flukiest years in NHL history. Like, it, and it's not... I sound bitter. I sound like a bitter fan of another team or of a rival team saying that. It's true. It's one of the flukiest seasons in league history. And people have this mindset that, wow, the Flames did this amazing one-year rebuild and and then they were back. And yeah, they've won two games past the first round. In, sorry, eight years. Let's say seven years. In eight years. Congratulations. You built the 97 and 98 Edmonton Oilers, who also did that exact same thing. Correction. You built the 90, what, 93 to 01 Edmonton Oilers. Same time span. Same amount of second round games won. I loved those Oilers teams as a kid. But 
at least they had the excuse of having no money. This trade's going to be lauded. I I said this on Twitter. It's going to be, you know, Brad Trey Living's going to be, everybody's going to just sing his praises and wow, rabbit out of the hat with Matt Chuck. He absolutely, and he's not done. He'll give a poison pill to Mackenzie Weger too. Because again, they're just trying to save face now. It's a desperate hockey team, or it's a desperate organization. Um, and, you know, I like to think that I'm pretty, pretty honest about everything going on. I just, it's, it's not good. Calgary, you honestly, like you got a team that might be, they'll chat, they might challenge for first in the Pacific next year. I can't see them going anywhere in the playoffs again. Um, they don't got a lot of bullets in the chamber. Like, you got an extra first-round pick in 2025. Okay, cool. This would have been the year to rebuild. You got a draft that's shaping up to have four franchise pillars in the top four. When you talk about Bedard, Fantilli, I'm a Fantilli guy, by the way. I think the kid's going to be a, whew, a beast. You know, like th- this This was a perfect year to start a rebuild, to blow it up. And the amount that they could have got, two years of Lindholm, you know, you, you take bad money back to make it work for other teams. Man. They could have done some damage. Lindholm, Backlund, Hannafin. Like, think of the guys you could have could have traded off. Not that Hannafin's that old. Like, you know, you wouldn't have had to trade Hannafin. But some of these guys, I would have. Because some of these guys who are going to get these bad contracts, it's the perfect time to move off them. And they would have had the excuse of what? Huberto, or sorry, what Kachuk and Goudreau did to the organization. Like, yeah, no, Brad's got no other choice. Got to rebuild. And now, ugh, 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 it's so bad. It's so bad. If you don't know, no amount of me telling you will convince you. You just have to take my word for it that this is how it's probably going to play out. You know, maybe Trey Living will pull some more rabbits out of his hat, but it it just feels like the guys having to do that just to keep them in the playoff picture, and that's all that they're desperate for as an organization. Just just stay there. Just stay in mediocrity, guys. I said it a couple days ago. You know, Trey Living and Flames ownership, it just feels like... They're Jordan Belfort saying that they're not fucking leaving. It's like, Jordan, you're going to really fuck yourself by making this decision that's clearly just based off emotion. But no, I'm not fucking leaving. It's the media going nuts for him. Way to go, Brad! Way to go, Brad! Oh, God. 
<laughs> it's just terrible. And you know what? If, if you want to throw one more thing in there, I hope it don't sound like too much of a homer here, but the Oilers are in a good position right now. It totally depends on how Jack Campbell plays out. If Jack Campbell is a good signing, the Oilers, I don't see the Flames getting over that hump the way they're constructed right now. If Jack Campbell is, is dog shit and Stuart Skinner can't surprise, then maybe. But it looks like the Oilers are going to be a problem for the Flames with the way the Flames are currently constructed. It just it would be such a good time, or it would have been such a smart time, an intelligent time to say, okay, we're punting. We're punting. This is 4th and 27. We're punting. We're not going to be stupid and try to get this first down here. We're going to punt. We're going to blow this up. We're going to get a ton of assets back. We're going to take back bad money to make these deals work and to max out the value of these guys. We're going to have three or four first-rounders in a tremendous draft. We're going to make sure that we end up having a great shot at landing a top-five pick in this draft. They just and and because of that, the rebuild would go really quickly. Like Ottawa's rebuild, for me, it's been really quick. Like the heavy lifting's already done. Now 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, it's five years. It's still five years. I get it. But the Sens are on track to be an elite team. It's what you got to do. Done properly, the Flames might have been able to skip a year, maybe even two, and get it done much more quickly. Because of this, this is how I see it playing out for the Flames. It's going to be a slow, slow death. And like I say, in about in about three to five years, they're going to be where the sharks are. And like where the sharks are right now is essentially just waiting for these horrendous boat anchor contracts to burn off. They've still got several more years. And then then they might be able to start rebuilding. Like they are, they're stockpiling young assets, like there's that part, but they're not going to be able to even probably think about the playoffs until these bad contracts are done. Like it's bleak. It is bleak. You think about it. That ends up being... Like, let's just say the Sharks got three more years left of this before they can even start thinking about winning or turning a corner. 
2020, 2021, 2022. There's three years. Three more years. And then, what, two, three more years of getting yourself in a position where you're regularly making the playoffs? Like, that's best-case scenario. And then whoever was making the decisions at the trade deadline this year, from my understanding, it wasn't Doug Wilson. But whoever made the decision on Thomas Hurdle to re-sign that guy when he could have brought back two or three great assets and instead tie up more bad money with them. Like, and it's the same thing. It, it, was, it was the same thing in San Jose as what's going on in Calgary. His ownership was terrified to rebuild. And with San Jose, you understood it a little bit more because they said for years, if they're not competitive, watch. Watch out because that building will empty out in a hurry. The, the Flames, does Flames ownership really think that the Saddle Dome is going to only draw 12,000 people? Like, I would like to think that Flames fans are a lot more loyal than Sharks fans, and you shouldn't have those concerns, but maybe I'm wrong. But it just, it's trending that way, man. It's trending that way of, let's try to be a playoff team. And then when you don't win anything, you don't come close. There's no conference final. There's no deep playoff run. Or maybe there's one deep playoff run like Montreal had, and you get smoked in the final. And and then, you know, it, the next season, it comes crashing back down to earth. Possible. Like that, But that's your best-case scenario, like... Build it properly. Jeez. Like. Anyway, I'm going in circles now. <laughs> the more I think about the trade, though, the more I hate it for, for Calgary. And it's not so much. I, I don't hate the trade for them. I hate the, I hate the direction for them. And I can't get past that. This organization is just chasing their tail. Anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to my little mini podcast on uh, the Jonathan Huberto signing. Uh, talk to you next time. <laughs>